You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. back from that short break or our slight recording of interruption. But as I was saying, um, Auden's come out on Raw to essentially address his injury, saying he's going to be out for a while. His knee is a lot worse than what the doctors first anticipated. His one promises he would be back by WrestleMania and that someone would get an RKO. And I think him saying you'll be back by WrestleMania was a bit of a long stretch. The moment I saw him walk out on the crutches, I'm just like, oh no, Auden's going to retire. And I'm just like, this is not good. And it, it makes sense. Auden retiring due to injury at that age. I mean, we've seen Daniel Bryan retire. We've seen Paige retire. And to see Auden come out the way he did was a real sad thing even though he's been a heel recently. So, I mean, Auden's a legend of the industry. The last thing we need to see is Auden go out due to injury. That is, as I said, Auden's a legend of the industry. When Auden retires, it shouldn't be due to injury. He deserves more than that. Now, do you think people who have gone out from injury should come back and have another match and just end it the right way? so to speak. I'm assuming you're talking about Edge here. I mean, I'm not naming names. I was just saying for sure. Go ahead with Edge. All right. So with Edge, if he's medically cleared and he wants to return, and it's... If he's not just medically cleared, but he can comfortably say he's able to compete without putting his neck in danger, by all means, if it's what he wants to do. But if there's any chance that even though he's clear to compete and he's going to put himself at risk, personally, I wouldn't recommend it. And with the way Edge's career ended, you can't get a better ending than that. He retired world champion with his last match as a win at WrestleMania. You can't get better than that. That's very true, but it, it, it's one of those things probably that just like kind of eats away at you, man. Like, like it was just like taken from you, you know. Like, yeah, you went off at, at your top, but like you didn't have a say in it, you know. It was just like, okay, you're, this this injury is here, whatever. You you're done. Let's sit. Let's sit for you, you know. Yeah, it's, it's got to be uh, a tough pill to swallow, you know. Like, just like one day out of nowhere, like, okay, yeah, you can't do what you do anymore, you know. And a lot of people, we see that on a lot of sports, definitely. Uh, the athlete gets that injury, and like, they want to try to come back, you know. Um, being here from Chicago, uh, Derek Rose, perfect example, you know. 
ACL tears and everything. Like by all accounts, that should have been his career, but like that's not how you want you want to go out. You know, you want to go out swinging sometimes. You know, and and as you said, like if it's medically clear, there's no risk of injury. Then I, I mean, if if you now okay, does he come back for one more match, or does he come back and just wrestle part time? That's the question, you know, and, and if he does come back, does he still stay with the damn spear or does he do that spear? Because that spear got off. It's a real... I don't, Edge is an interesting topic. I mean, who's another one that's gone out to injury? I mean, Daniel Bryan came back. Don't get me wrong, they're two different injuries. Yeah, no, he's see who else has come back from injury that should have been by all means retired. Page. Uh, yeah, but she never really came back. Well she was she injured when she left or did she suffer an injury? Well no, she left she, under she, controversial standards and No, she she was still wrestling. No, actually, I remember now because it was on Total Divas. She when they had the initial draft back in 2016, she disappeared um, due to injury. Mm-hmm. Del Rio got drafted to SmackDown. Del Rio left the company. Her and Del Rio had that massive falling out when he was Impact World Champion. And she had injuries with her neck or something. She mm-hmm. got into trouble because she tried to keep it a secret. Oh... They didn't know that, but that makes sense. mm. So she's eventually come back and made that return against when there was a match going on between Mickey James and Sasha. Mm -hmm. And that's when um, Fire and Desire debuted under with Paige as their mentor. That's true. It was like the first few days. Yeah, you're right. And then she'd only just started to come back to wrestling and then she got injured at a house show where she took a kick to the back or whatever it was from Sasha Banks and she just dropped to the ground and tried getting back up and fell straight back down. And like I've seen the footage on YouTube. It was so hard to watch. Like You just sat there going, come on, get up, Paige, get up. And at first you thought, oh, like, if you didn't know what the outcome was at first, you would have thought, okay, this is just uh, part of the storyline. But then you see the ref come in and basically stick the X up in the air, and then you see everyone on the outside of the ring or all the other competitors. I think Sasha Banks was sitting on the ground in the corner just in shock. And it was such a hard thing to comprehend what you were looking at. No, you're you're right because it. I mean, you know, injuries happen. It's wrestling, you know. But mm. you, even then, even then, it's very few and far between the the injuries that are like career ending or even fatal. Like it, it, it happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens in the indies. It happens. You know, when any kind of promotion, it happens, you know, but it's still few and far between, like, 
an injury that just ends a career or a injury that just ends a life. Like it doesn't happen too often. Um, yeah. But it it does happen, and when it happens, it's it's a shock. Like you don't. It just like it takes you out of everything. Like oh shit, wait, like this is a real person. Like hold up, hold up. Like let's make sure they're all right. You know. Like it just like it snaps everybody out of because everyone's into the show. You know, if you're if you're a wrestling fan, you're watching it or you're there live. You're into the show. You're into the characters, whether they're heel or or babyface, whatever. You're into it, right? And then something like that, just like it, just snaps everybody out of it, and it's just like. Holy shit! Like this, this is real, real. Like this is not good, you know. Um, yeah, like even like um, go back to a few months uh, to uh, Silver King or a Better Wild, like just wrestlers that died in the ring, and it's just like you don't expect it, you know. It's like you just it just hap- it's just sudden and quick and it's out of nowhere, and it's just like whoa, wait, what's going on, you know, like. Holy crap! Like it does not happen often, you know. Surprisingly, you would think it'd, it'd be more like severe injuries and everything, but I just think that you know, just people. Have, I don't know, man. It just doesn't happen often, like you said. It's just it's one of those things that just it's just like it's, it shocks you, man. Like holy crap! Like that, like you said, it was it's horrifying to watch, and it's just like whoa, like what's gonna happen? They're gonna be okay? They're still gonna like you. I would think mo- most people should be like, you know, oh, are they going to be okay? You know, and then it's like, oh, are they still going to be able to wrestle or whatever? You know. Um, yeah. All right. Here's a question for you: How do mm-hmm. you feel about them exploiting someone's injury, especially when it ends their career, for TV ratings? Like, for instance, what they did with Daniel Bryan and the Miz on Talking Smack. Well, listen. First and foremost health is, is once the health is secure like okay they're good you know next thing it's you know wrestling like with i believe wrestling like with any other sport it's all show business it's all entertainment so listen i i watch like a lot of i'm very heavy into the like the battle rap scene so i always think anything goes right to a certain extent right so like if you're gonna do that if you're gonna do Something so serious like that, like an like injury. It, there's two ways you can go about it. It could just be cheap heat. Like, oh, that's, that was just an easy route to get heat, whatever. Uh, example, uh, when Eddie Girl had just passed and they they had made Randy Orton, you know, say, uh, oh, yeah, Eddie Girl's in, in hell or whatever, right? Whatever the line was. And that was, like, not that long after he died, right? Just to get that heat, right? And... Randy Orton didn't even want to say it at the time, but it was like, no, that's that's what we want you to say, whatever, right? And yeah. sure, it got the cheap heat or whatever, but it was like, really? like he, it, was, it just wasn't a good look, you know, like for anybody. Yeah. Like, no, it wasn't good. It was too soon, man. Um, All right. So, so you, can not... go, you, can, you can go that route. Or the route like The Miz took with Daniel Bryan, like it, it slowly built up to it in intensity. Like, he didn't really say anything at first, but it was just like a back and forth. And then, just like with a natural, like you would see in a natural argument, once you get heated, like, you say things, you know? Sometimes things you don't mean to say, sometimes things you regret. It's just it's just a natural human thing, especially when you're in the moment. With the Miz yeah. and Daniel Bryan, like, it slowly built up in intensity, and as, as it built up into intensity, in its intensity, it started getting more personal and personal and personal. So that 
you know, at the time, like there was no there was no cause to think that Danny Bryan would return. So like there would there would have been no eventual payoff, but like it was slowly building up to that, so that by by chance that Daniel Bryan was able to come back. All that foundation, that personal storyline was there. Like their match was there. Like that that was just built. Like it it was done right. Like it's it slowly built up to it, and slowly, naturally, organically got to that personal level. We're saying that like. Even if you go, what's another one? Um, when you had Becky Lynch over there with Edge, and she hit him with that line about his neck or whatever, like people liked it at the time. But to me, it was it was kind of cheap. Like yeah, it was right, kind so of like cheap thought... Like it was it wasn't there was no like it was just a shot out of nowhere just to be you know the man or disrespectful or whatever, right? But it was just yeah. like well, she was a heel at the time as well. Yeah, see, but like again, like. For someone like Edge, like, were okay, so like, it would have made sense if they had been talking like shit to each other for like, I, I don't know. Nowadays they do it on Twitter, but like, it it would have made sense if they if they, you know, talked in it or whatever. There'd be some context for it, you know. But just to like hit it out of nowhere and then just leave it at that, you know, it's just like it's a good moment, but no, there's nothing else after that, you know. Yeah. So I've got two examples for you. Um, Go ahead, hit him with me. CM Punk with mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler when he faked when Paul Heyman faked that heart attack. Uh huh. Too far. Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm keep it 100 with you. I don't. I can. I can. Is there? Can you cuss on this show? Go for it. Listen, man. I do not be my not. I do not give a single 100% flying fuck about no Jerry Lawler. A man can have a million heart attacks. I don't care. Whatever. Um, I don't think it was too far. I mean, I just don't care for the guy. So whatever. You know, that that's just whatever, right? Yeah. You know, I could say so much about that dude, but like, I don't think it was too far. Fuck Jerry Lawler. That's all I'm gonna say about that guy. Yeah. All right. So your next one is the feud between. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins when Ambrose makes that okay, remark. that's a an, oh, perfect, perfect, good. Another one. To me, that was very much in the line of the Randy Orton at a girl thing. So it's like they made him say it, and it was again. It was used for like this cheap reaction. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was fighting with Roman and it got personal and that slipped out. You know, it was just like he was fighting with Rollins and that. Come on, man! Like, you know what we've done? You know, John's in the pants back. What we've done? It's already got it, Roman. Like, it was. Come on, man! It was written like a cheesy '80s action movie, man. Like, it was just like it, it was. Not, it, first of all, it was a terrible line. Um, clearly. I didn't want to say it, and and clearly whoever came up with that, like, like why, why, man? Like, this just happened, man. Again, again, just that, that cheap reaction, that quick moment, you know, like, oh, he did that one. Oh, and it's just, it's just laziness, just to elevate some shitty writing, you know. It's just like, it's, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna do that, man, it like again, it would make sense if he's fighting. 
he was fighting with Roman at the time, or he's like, they're just talking back and forth or whatever. And again, it's natural for your reaction when you're angry. And it wouldn't make sense, like, okay, if you're going to do that, have them, you know, talk shit to Rollins, but they're face to face and they're arguing, right? Like, whatever. They're going back and forth, back and forth, and then he slips that out. Oh, yeah, well, about whatever. And it's, it's your, like, Something, something, oh, it's, you know, so, and then you mentioned Roman's leukemia, whatever, right? And it slips out. And just like a natural conversation, like, you would have the argument, whatever, and then that slips out. And then you should have had that, like, awkward, like, silence. Like, you just say that, and it's like, like, it would have been more real. Like, that would have been more real, and it would have, I feel like it would have had more emotion behind it. It would have been connected more, you know? But rather, you have them talk to Rollins from like burning a trash can in the parking lot, whatever. Then you have him deliver these lines from our father. It's the same, you know. It would, it, would have, it would have been better if you would have had that in the ring, have them arguing with each other, and then Ambrose is so heated, so mad that, that, that some, a line similar to that slips out. Like, that's, that, would, uh, that would be more natural. It would have more emotion. It would, it would give Rollins a chance to react to that, like just in, in shock or, or, or just anything, whatever. And you yeah. would've, it would have would have been more impactful, like versus just him having delivering a line out the blue in the parking lot somewhere. Like it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. So the reason um, I was asking you about the injuries on what's too far and isn't is because Auden's there on crutches, talking about careers and how he's seen some of the best superstars. And he even starts blabbing on about Edge and his retirement and says he's going to be out for a while, most likely till WrestleMania, if if not longer, because he's got a bumped knee and it's a lot worse than what he thought it was. And then AJ Styles' music hits, because they've been in a feud recently. So AJ Styles comes to the ring, stands there, doing the childish 10-year-old teasing thing, poking him, going, ha, 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 you can't do anything, and then poking him and poking him. What you going to do? What you going to do? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then that's when he takes it a step further and kicks his um, Auden's crotch. You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. Howdy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Mining for Mayhem. This is our first recording of the year, and more importantly, it's going to sound a lot more fresher, because this is my first recording of my new laptop that I've just brought. So now I'm recording off actual equipment and not just my phone. But as usual, I'm never alone with these recordings today. As my first guest for the year 2020, we have Benji from Calvada Comedy on Twitter. Benji, how are you, mate? Hey, hey, hey it's your boy, Benji Calavera, a.k.a. Mr. Throw Your Bay in Some Cake, a.k.a. Mr. Benji 2020, all 2020, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're all fresh and awake and ready to go, or you're comfortable in the afternoon what, waking up from a new, new Year's Eve hangover? It was a new New Year's thing over, you know, just let it, just this year we're just letting it all hang, you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. You've got the New Year's hangover, I've got the 
day after New Year's Day coffee because I like to say I've got up real early for this, but more I just haven't been to bed and we'll see how far we can push this. Just not longer than an episode of Monday Night Raw. Shots fired already. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, we are so much better than Monday Night Raw. We could pull off a WrestleMania-length episode and still be better. But, more importantly, and my computer's telling me the USB device is not recognized. That's okay. Wow, what on earth is that doing? Alright, so for those that are listening, what you guys don't know is this is actually our second time recording. We have recorded once before, but we haven't released that episode because we were having so much fun just talking smack to each other that we ended up going longer than three hours and we decided let's record this again, make it the new and improved, still making it fresh. So instead of just repeating what we said and cutting it down, we're going to talk smack again just not as much. We're going to have, hopefully, have some self-control. Right, right. This this year's all about not being problematic. It's all about just being self-control, you know? Because last time it was just you sitting there like a punching bag while I was firing shots left and right. Left <laughs> and right. Uh, it was so much fun. Especially that ending, but we'll get to that hashtag later in the show. Okay. A little foreshadowing. I got you. All right, so, as we were talking about in the pre, um, pre-talk before we started the recording, we were going on about Monday Night Raw, but we, um, instead of telling each other how we felt, we'd save the reaction for the show so it sounded original and natural, not pre-talked about. So, the last episode of Monday Night Raw was the final for 2019. And for the most part, for me, like I always read the Bleacher Report, and it got good grades, and I have to agree, I quite enjoyed it. It was an episode of Monday Night Raw. It went down really well compared to most recent ones. What was your take on the episode? So, listen, I was, you know, how I do, I'm busy doing different things, so I did not see that. I only saw the, the let's say, uh polarizing ending towards it the whole the whole little segment with you know congratulations over here to lana and lashley you know getting married you know it's a great way to start to end the year you know you started with a bang ended with a bang you know what i'm saying that was it was great you know um new revelations new loves like what's not entertaining about that i mean this is fresh new content i mean we haven't seen anything this controversial anything this this groundbreaking in a long time you know what i'm saying yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I was trying to think back to the last wedding we had in WWE, and I kept coming back to the Gold Dust and Oksana wedding on NXT, where it was just one after the other. And then I actually thought about it. I'm like, hold on. There's been one since then when I actually did my research, at least one that I can think of. And that was the wedding of Daniel Bryan and AJ Lee, where... This one was stopped by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Now, that was definitely one WWE wedding that had no chance in hell. <laughs> the worst way. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, 
right. So ha- were you able to catch any of the highlights at all for Monday Night Raw? No, no. I was, you know, I I had did not have the ch- I haven't had the ch- opportunity the 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 privilege the the honor to see uh, a Raw or SmackDown the last few weeks. So I, I have not seen no more of the highlights. I've heard things here. I haven't really even been on Twitter, so I haven't seen that. The only I'm telling you, the only thing that seems to have the people. The people talking, you know, running their mouths has been that that ending and the high hopes they had for uh, the re-debut of, of Liv Morgan, you know. People were excited about that. People wanted to see that, you know. And I don't know if it was what, they, what they wanted, but this is what they got. You know, so it's like, I guess, you know, you could really say, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe they did. Yeah. It was a interesting segment. Like, there's a lot of different topics that came out of it. Whether um, you were a fan of the way I saw it was the Lana Lashley storyline did Liv no favors, but Liv did that storyline everything. L- Liv saves that storyline. Like for me. I went into that wedding going, Ugh, I'm, I knew it was going to be controversial. We knew we were going to get something out of it. And I didn't know where it was going. I thought, I'm going to watch it just to see it. But when Liv came out, I'm like, this is perfect. Unfortunately, I don't think the wedding was perfect for Liv. And I, I even put a tweet out about halfway through that wedding. Rusev is in that cake. I mean, is... WWE creative really that obvious with their booking lately, or was that just a lucky guess? It could be a little bit of both, man. You might have been, you might have had that New Year's end luck. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you were just like inspired by the the moment of of, of love and matrimony. Mm. That really, that really gallivated you to to start your creative, got your creative juices flowing. You know, juices flowing everywhere. You know. And and maybe you're right. This this didn't do uh, Liv Morgan any favors as far as these plot setting of it, you know. But uh, and the, to her credit, she did the best she could with with the whole segment, and you know that that's cool and all, you know. However, you know, it does come with this controversy, you know. Well, you know, is this just using you know sexual orientation for shock value you know or is it is it more genuine is it is it raises all these questions and and well, very uh rightly so you know especially considering you have um other talents on the roster who definitely would be more suited to such a storyline uh, but then again is is it really is it the storyline just for shock value or is it um a storyline that's really uh, more encompassing, more inviting of different Yeah. All right. So we'll break this down into two parts. We'll get back to the wedding part for or the storyline itself for a second. If Liv didn't interrupt that wedding, how would you have booked Liv's return? So we'll see. The very popular thing that people did on the on the before I was off, what I've been seeing and had been seeing, people really were willing to die on the hill of her being the Sister Abigail character or like a much more dark 
character you know people really want to see uh, i guess a dark side so you know a bit more menacing type thing maybe like a not not like a that's more it seems to me that that's what people wanted more you know they wanted that that, that little bit serious dark side of it you know and you know I think people were at a start were already disappointed once she went back to being Bond. You know, like people really dig the hair. You know, it's very, very iconic. You know, and, you know. So it's like I, I don't, I don't know how they returned, but I, I don't think I would have booked her into this storyline. Like they're they're so dead set on on this storyline and, and keeping this storyline going and, and keeping this storyline on the forefront, almost and just in in. in Unabashed defiance to like to the, to everybody. To like, you know this storyline is good. This is gonna work no matter what. And like they're just so like dead set on this storyline. They're just not letting it go. They they want to see this flourish. And maybe they subscribe to the idea. Well, as long as people are talking about it, good or bad, they're talking about it. So we're gonna keep you know going with this. And and you know it's it's been it's been wild. We've seen you know arrests. You know, private events. We've seen divor- uh, divorces, marriages. You know, restraining orders. We've seen, you know, assaults. You know, it, it's it, it, in very 2019 fashion. We have a, you know, a, a foreign marriage turned interracial marriage to now a sexually ambiguous triangle. You know, it's been very. It's very modern, you know. So maybe maybe it's a good thing, but I don't know if they stepped in it in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the way I would have booked it, and feel free to tell me your take on this, but the way I see it is they had the perfect opportunity to do Liv's return perfect, and they messed it. So when Liv went away she left with a match which um, Charlotte Flair said she was going to come back different and everything. And that's what her videos were about, saying that she's changed, she's done it for herself, that she's not going to let other people tell her who she was going to be. And they could have used that, maybe had a bit of Rocky Balboa running the steps and gone along those lines, have her come back to answer Charlotte Flair's open challenge on bowing down to the Queen. They really like to subvert your expectations. I don't know if you remember years ago, back in um, back in the days of the Funkosaurus, man. Um, prior to that, they were, you know, they had the vignettes and they were billing him as this this monster, like heel or or whatever. But he was gonna be a monster, you know, like he was gonna destroy everybody. They were building off like that, and then once he debuts, it's like, okay, we're gonna switch it. Now he's he was the dancing Funkasaurus or whatever, you know. Seems like they approach this the same way, like, oh, you know, we're heading this direction. We hear what people are saying, you know. We, we set it up with her wanting to be more real and everything. So people are expecting that. So we hit him with the switch, and then we got him. With, we got him with this, like, oh, we. They really thought they knocked it out of the park with that switch, you know. They they love to set you up one way and then switch it another way. You know, and that's to me that's that's just writing. 
it's not it's not anything great. It's, it's like it's, it will it'll last a bit, you know. But after a while, it's just like it fizzles out as you go. But to your point, like they did set it up where like she was gonna be more real. She was gonna, you know, come back, be who she is or whatever. And and it would have made sense to have her face off the chart, especially considering how that situation and everything. But you know, you know, good old WWE. They like to keep you like. If anything, they're consistent in the way they disappoint you. Yeah. So I reckon had she come out and beat Charlotte Flair clean and in a real competitive match where Charlotte Flair made a mistake out of frustration due to the fact that she couldn't put Liv away, that would have been some perfect storytelling right there. It would have been. It's, it's, it's so perfect and it's so obvious that, you know, they um they just like to shy away from that, man. Hmm. Because it, it really would have been, and it would have given, definitely given Charlotte some direct, much needed direction. Because she right now, it's really all, the, she's great and all, but it just seems like they just kind of shoehorn, shoehorn her into any storyline that Becky Lynch is involved in. And it's like, she don't really have anything for herself. And that's not anything of her fault. It's just what she's given, you know, like, it would definitely give her some some direction and be, and as far as like, oh, character wise a character shift like she's more like like the, the not the stepping stone but like the like okay if you want to prove yourself you have to prove yourself against her like type of thing and then but you have you separate becky from doing her own thing and then you got this going on so it would definitely lead itself to much more interesting storylines especially with, with what you referenced which you alluded to with Liv morgan and all that so i definitely agree that would have been a, a better direction to take for sure. So, um, the one thing I can say I've noticed is going what you're saying, throwing it into how they put her into Becky's storyline. You don't really get a storyline for Charlotte that doesn't at least involve one of the other four horsewomen. Like, when she first went to SmackDown, she had a little bit of a thing with Naomi. Other than that, she's Natalia. And over the last two years, there really hasn't been many people. Unfortunately, it seems to me that as, as great and as wonderful as the Four Horsewomen are, they really cemented their, the division on them four, and it's, and it's just a revolving door around the four. And, it's, and I think what maybe Alexa Bliss has been the only anomaly just to break through from that, because it just seems everything gravitates to the fore and it's not there's really no build-up as far as anyone outside of that um, you had the Lacey Evans Natalia thing but that you know that was not it's not the normal you know mm. um you definitely have a lot more uh, wrestlers there that would definitely fit into that mold where you can shift them and, and rotate them more but it definitely is very uh up there's definitely a in a what do you what would you say a, like importance to the the four horsewomen and everything rides or dies with them for it's like that's just where they're they're setting their hats on and 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 right, every storyline like you said it originates from the four and it's but and you Naomi had a great thing with Charlotte like you could have, they could, they're good enough where they can have things with other people but it just seems they don't want to take the chance and and not having the four you know involved. 
Yeah, well, and I mean, unfor- it's unfortunate because you do have a lot of talents that are just sitting on the sidelines, pretty much. And you you could say, well, it's not they they haven't gotten over everything, but like you know, if you don't give someone a chance to fail or succeed, you know, then what, what do you expect? Like, Deborah Brooke was she's pretty over, man, and it's like she'll she'll get pieces here and there, but it's not not really. She's come on a freaking long way. Um, who else? You know, you got like. Uh, Sarah Logan again sitting on the sidelines like she's decent you know you got oh, yeah. I think Ruby right coming back from injury like you had a few injuries here and there but uh I, okay perfect example you had they set up out the random uh Ember Moon versus Bailey out, out the random no really build to their story nothing nothing was really built to that and they had a really good match and everything but there was no you know, people want that's the storyline that that's that substance. You know, the the spice to your steak. You know, they didn't really get that, and unfortunately, Ember Moon's injured now, and they moved on from that. But you know, they they like the they they pick and choose a little bit of the outside of the four horsewomen, throw them in there, and then they're they're like they don't come back to them. You know, and it's just like how how long can you ride with these four? They can yeah. only fight each other for so long, you know? I mean, they screwed up Oscar in doing that. They could have had something huge with her. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they missed the chance of Oscar versus Rousey. Yeah, and they did. I mean, what are they doing with Lana? They keep going to push Lana, then she gets over. And the moment she gets over, she gets shoved to the back again. That definitely seems to be a a trend there in that that company. Uh, Just that it's like, it's it's almost, I don't know, man. It's it's, it's very weird the way things are done. And I mean, Lana got was always the valet and then eventually she debuted on SmackDown after the draft about two years ago or whatever it was called, the Superstar Shake Up. And she debuted a new entrance music where she came out as this elegant dancer and she got so over. Even though she was playing a heel, she was probably one of the most over female stars in the company at the time. And then they paired her with Rusev the mixed match challenge and then Rusev got her over using Rusev Day and turned it into Lana Day and then they kept her with Rusev, focused on Rusev and Lana stopped wrestling and she just disappeared she really did like you're, you're definitely right about that like it, it just that whole the whole Rusev Day Lana Day and then even with Aiden English like that, there was a moment and People forget there was a moment when that was very over, and, and people really wanted that. And it's kind of been like that with Rusev for a, for a long time, just being so freaking over, and it's just like they just won't do it. They won't, they won't stop. This person and that company is just like so over. But never really gonna push them. Just you can go 
Jerusalem, you can go Cesaro, you can back in the day Dolph Ziggler. Uh, there's so many where it's like, uh, even if you go back before that, like Zack Ryder, they were so over it, but they just never pushed them. Like, it's almost like they, people get punished for getting over organically. You know, it's, it's, it's very weird. Like, they want people to get over, but when they finally do get over by themselves, they get, they don't, they almost, it's not that they get punished, but it's like, they'll, they'll chop the legs off that for a bit, you know, like they'll, they'll, dim, they'll slow the momentum down a bit and then they'll control what they want. It's, it's very backwards, you know, especially if you want to, if you want to give more viewers and all that stuff, you would think that that's the route you would go, but you know, them and their that's not what they do, and, and it's, it's been like that forever, man. Yeah, it's, it's um, quite interesting. Like you're saying, they don't push people that get over organically. But the only person I can think of in the past ten years that's got over organically, that's still a star to this day, is Daniel Bryan. True, but remember, even back then, even when he was organically, they they tried their best to not push him, but the people were too damn loud. They had no choice but the people never gave up on him. And it well, was it was it was like Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say they did the same thing with Zack Ryder, because they were so damn loud. But eventually Zack Ryder fell to the back. Daniel Bryan's managed to be able to keep that. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's very difficult. I think the Zack Ryder. Yeah, a lot. paired him up with John Cena and hell's her name. Is it Eve Torres? No. Eve Torres. They paired him up with Ad, and then they once once Kane threw him off the. Stage in the wheelchair, like that was it for him. Yeah, well, it's the... yeah, so he like he, he lost the girl, got kicked in the nuts, and then he got thrown yeah. off a wheelchair. Yeah, Eve Torres. So he lost her to John Cena. She makes out with him in front of him. He gets kicked in the nuts, and then he <laughs> he gets thrown off the stage by I think it was Kane. It, in the wheelchair, just like that was it, man. Like you know, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting one. Then you were talking about other styles that got over organically as well. Like, for instance, with Cesaro, how is someone like that gotten over so organically and still not yeah. held a singles title? Other Nothing, than, man. like he used like, to say. They used to say, oh, it's, um, it's his English, you know, he couldn't talk. He improved his English. Oh, he can't cut a promo. He can't cut promos. Oh, he's not entertaining. He becomes more entertaining. Oh, he can't, you know, get over with the crowd. He gets over with the crowd. Okay, what next? He can't, you know, cut it with when it's a big-time match. He has amazing matches with whoever is at the top. That's, you know, whoever. He kills it, kills it, kills it. He's receptive. He's Oh, he's too. He he gets injured too much. He goes years without getting injured. Uh, and then it's just like they have no more excuses. They have no. There's no excuse why. At least, at least like the damn 
Intercontinental title matters something, man. At least something, man. Nothing. Yeah, like, he's a former United States champion, but the fact that he's still hasn't held a world title is absolutely criminal. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 you've had, I mean, you've had people like, uh, what's his name, uh, Curtis Axel or like Jack Swagger hold it at one point, and it's like, you're, you all were just giving it to anybody at that point, and like, you can't give it to Zaro, man, come on. Mm. See, I know um, Jack Swagger's been a world champion, I don't think Curtis Axel has, I know he was a... Not the world champion. He was like he won one of the titles. Yeah, something like that. But he was getting a push and everything like that. Like, they're all doing that, and then like throwing his heart to the side, like that. and then maybe that's some shade to Curtis Axel. Mm. And Curtis Axel, to this day, has a, I think it's three wins over Triple H. <laughs> They were really trying to push him. They really thought he was going to be the next guy. Wasn't it, man? And, well, he had Paul Heyman behind him as well, and then just suddenly nothing. It's, 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 it's one of those things, man. You, you have to connect with people. You just want to connecting with him, man. Like, it, it, you, you can... Some people do it naturally. Some people work towards it, you know? Just at the time he came out, like it just wasn't nothing was it wasn't clicking, you know. Him or uh, the Ted, what's his name, the DiBiase boy, he wasn't clicking either. Like it was just that when they had the whole like new legacy people, like it just wasn't mm. clicking. Especially using their their parents' names, like, I think at the time it was just like it wasn't working, man. It wasn't it? They seem to struggle to get someone over that second generation, especially when they're trying to push the idea that you should like these because their father was great. Just because their father was great doesn't mean they're going to be great. Right, and seem to fail to see that. You're you're definitely right about that. Like, they, uh, there's not a lot that they do with them. Randy Orton was able to come out on his own. They were definitely very because they started like that. No, in NXT they they mentioned Ric Flair with Charlotte, like they mentioned him a little bit, but it was it was more about her, you know. Yeah. And when, her initially, if anyone remembers, when she came on the main roster the first time, it was Ric Flair this, Ric Flair that, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Ric Flair. They they really tried to drive that home in the beginning when she first came out. So she had to like break free from that, and and a lot a lot of people have been able to do that. Uh, Cody Rhodes is a good, a great example of someone who was able to make his own name um, just through sheer willpower. Uh, not being ashamed oh. of his name or anything like that, but it's like it's very few and far in between, uh, especially in, in WWE. Outside of WWE, you got there's plenty like uh, Pillman Jr. He's killing it out here. Um, there's a few, but it's it's definitely difficult when you have a, a shadow like, like that big to uh, come out on top. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to question the Cody Rhodes statement there. Did Cody Rhodes make his a name for himself, or did his name get made by someone idiotic and creative like a Vince Russo or something? Because I doubt Cody came up with Stardust. No, well, 
if you if you see um they wanted him to be uh, similar to Goldust and everything, but uh, they, if you ever see uh, interviews that uh, Cody Rhodes has as to the start of the character, it's very different to what he to what he was pitching. It was very it was very very, very different from what we got. You know, he it was more like a comic book oriented type thing. You know, and then they slowly morphed it into this cartoon. You know, um, yeah, and he's so, something like um, Stardust on Monday nights. Cody on Friday nights. Yeah, see, it was, just, it was it's very like the, it's one. You ever hear any like, interviews or anything like that? Especially, okay, a perfect example. Uh, the, I don't know if you listen to the recent like uh, New Day podcast or anything like that, but they talk about a list of names that they were given, you know, and very like they. They come up with these like trash. They'll, they'll they gave them these trash ass names, right? And it's just like terrible, terrible names that you could you could think of for them. Uh, I don't remember one off the top of my head. I think uh, just very music oriented, very bad names. Or you could even hear like um, says Rollins when they gave him a list of names. It was just like a trash ass list of names. Same thing with this situation. It's just like the. It just seems without fail though they'll, they'll they'll give you like this this crap ideas and it's like it, if you, if you don't take into your initiative to try to change something and, and make it not be so corny and just try to salvage it and make it work like you're just gonna flounder man that's how they come up with these so many bad characters uh for example back in the day you had uh Bo Dallas um, come out when he was. There. This like snarky heel, but he would win. But he'd just be like this motive, evil, like this manipulative, motivational speaker. Like it, it worked, you know. It was working NXT. Like he was so hated, you know. And they put him on the main roster. And initially, it was like they kept that, but then they slowly start inputting their their main roster ideas, you know, their creative ideas. And he just slowly destroyed what he was in NXT. And you see that time and time again with. People who have these characters and they're, 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 you know, well fleshed out and everything. And then it's like, well, you're on the main roster now. We have to change something to make it like ours, you know, like, oh, you're the the Viking experience now. You don't know. You're the War Raiders now. Like, it's just like they have to change something just so they can feel like it's theirs, you know. And it's and it's unfortunate, but you see it time and time again, and especially going back to Cody Rhodes, it's like. They wanted him to be this this goldust like character, you know. And as much as he tried, like he tried, he really did try to make that work. Like he changed his entire move set. Like he really tried to make that work. But there's only so much you can do with a character like that, you know. And they they seem to really hone in on, especially if you're like a second generation wrestler, like to really hone in on on who your parent was or is, you know. And they'll want that to get you over. And then when that's not working, it's like, oh, no, it's your fault. You're not getting over, you know. And there's just too many examples of that. Not to be too negative on this podcast or anything, but it's just too many examples of that that we've seen, you know. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot to come out uh, and make a name for yourself. Look, it it took Cody Rose leaving that company, going out in the Indies, basically starting a damn new promotion. Look at him now. Like, it, it takes a lot. Look, Charlotte had to really 
really put it out there, man. Just killing in every match, doing what she had to do to get make her, her name, like be herself. You know, it, it's very difficult um, to come out on that. And there's not. I would say there's there's maybe and maybe I'm wrong, but there's a lot. There's not that many that that come from a second generation that are up there. You know, my, the ones I named, maybe Brand, uh, The Rock. Like, there's very few that come up there from a second generation. It's very difficult. Yeah, and you've got like Natty and there are oh, yeah, Natalia there yeah. that are actually second generation, but you don't even know it because they just no mention of it at all. Like another good one would be um, Bray Wyatt, second generation. Yeah. Which, but they, they, they for some reason, just never... Maybe it's just the character at the time, but just, it's very... Well, as soon as when he became very wide from, from what used to be, like, very little mention of it, you're right. Um, any correlation with him and his brother, like, it's just never mentioned, never talked about. And, yeah. you know, maybe it would have been some good opportunity, especially for, like, a Bo Dallas career to, like, pair up with him, you know? But, I mean, it's too late now, but... Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, you know. Unless Bo Dallas goes through a character change and comes out as a Firefly follower or something like that and just randomly appears on the Funhouse. I mean, when Bo Dallas first debuted, he went on a winning streak. He went something like seven and Bo before they broke it. And I think it was... I can't even remember who broke the winning streak. I'm... I'm so just assume for argument's it sake, was, it's Kofi it Kingston. Yeah, no, no, it was a random. It was a very. It was a raw. It was a random match. Well, it was a random, but it was a random like uh, roll up by our truth, and oh, that just ended right. a streak. That just ended a streak. I, it was out of nowhere, you know. It, it was just, and after that, it was like he kind of lost his whole thing, like his whole steam. That's the bad thing about. Going on these winning streaks, and we've seen this time and time again. After they go on these long winning streaks, what happens after they lose? Like they just disappear. We've seen that with Goldberg. We've seen that with Oscar. Uh, even not that too much, but to an extent, even uh, Pete Dunne after he lost his title, like he kind of they kind of fizzle fizzle him out a bit after that long winning yeah. streak. You know, uh, we just. It's just a, it's a double-edged sword of going undefeated for so long. And I mean, not just that, it should have done something for whoever beat the streak, but I mean, beating the streak ending should have been a big thing, like it was. A perfect example would have been the Undertaker streak. That mm-hmm. just gave Brock Lesnar so much heat. And that beating Bo Dallas' streak, obviously it should have gone on a bit longer, say it went 15 and Bo. Whoever pinned Bo Dallas should have got a major rub from it but not only did it burn Bo Dallas but Truth was worse off for it as well yeah nobody came looking good after that especially I believe it wasn't too long after that you had um <laughs> did you, you had leave <laughs> I was I was very much a believer, man. But after that, after he lost that, I don't remember if it was right after. It was a few weeks after that. He goes up to Brock Lesnar, and it just gets de- just gets killed. Like he just like R.I.P. Man, like he was he was dead. Like Lesnar re- laid into him, and that was the end of it for him. Mm. 
Yeah, most people don't look good against Lesnar. I mean, I remember Heath Slater trying to pick a fight with Lesnar or whatever it was, and Heyman tried to show him off, and Lesnar's like, no, 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 come in the ring, let's have a talk. Lesnar and his very high-pitched voice going, it's okay, I understand, I have kids too, let's talk about your kids. And then he gets right in Slater's face and just goes, I don't give a damn about your kids and just drops him there and then and I think he hits him with like three or four F5s and I'm just like are they trying to bury Heath Slater or are they trying to push Brock Lesnar? What is the aim of that? It's always push Lesnar, man. Lesnar has to look strong. Man. He can't look weak. He mm. can look weak out here in the streets, man. He, he gotta look strong. You know, he's gotta... He's def- he had that big, big fight with Cain Velasquez, man. That was that was world-shattering right there, man. But wouldn't he look stronger, especially with someone like Cain, if he had a decent fight, not a freaking two-minute squash match? Sorry, you were saying? Yeah, I was going to say, if, with that match in particular, if it went, say, 20 minutes and was competitive, wouldn't that have made Lesnar stronger by overcoming it, not just taking a couple of hits and then tapping him out? I mean, you're definitely right. Like, it should have been, should have been that. That's what it was built up to. But, you know, Lesnar has to... He, you don't get paid by the hour, you know? He's got to beat you in, in three seconds and then get the hell out, you know? More importantly, why did it have to involve the title? There was Listen, no... Man, I'm trying to be positive 2020. Let me be positive. Let me leave the past in the past. But, listen, I was still to this day talking all the way. It should never have been for that. It should have never been, like... People would say no. His, his people at like what? What the hell is it? People, whatever they call them, not walk culture. Well, whatever. All the thinking. Oh, the run had fizzled out. You know, fuck all that. Listen, he was uh, as popular as ever, man. Like it should have been at a major pay-per-view. When he should have lost it maybe at the Rumble. Like, it should have been that long. You know, shouldn't have been at a random SmackDown. Like oh, the. It's, you debuting, you know, SmackDown on Fox. We need a big, you know, a main event, something to catch people's attention. Oh, let's give the title to Lesnar, right? That gets, that'll get, you know, that's that's our main event, whatever. It's amazing. Give it to him. Cain Velasquez comes out. Kofi's a side story now. Has he's gone? Take him away. They never wanted him to be. Let's be honest. They never really wanted him to be up there in the first place. Like again, one of those things. If it wasn't for the people, like. He would not have been up there. Like he never wanted to give it to him in the first place. So they throw him away like that. They give it to him another the and they go to his team and our system to the match it. And then they go to like King Lasker's done. Like there's no comeback from that. Come back over here. Let they switch they switch Lesnar off of SmackDown. They put him on Raw is it they put him on Raw? Yeah. They switched him, put him on Raw. You have they put the Fiend on SmackDown, and then you haven't seen Lesnar since. So what the hell was the point? Maybe in some trying to look at positively, 
they're trying to take the focus off the main title so they can push the Intercontinental title and the United States title Get by not. Because <laughs> when you push the main title, not so much with the Intercontinental one, but when was the last time the US title was relevant? Let's be honest. You have AJ Styles has done what he could with it. Nakamura tried, but you really have to go all the way back to when John Cena would had it, and he was doing those open challenges and, and everything. Okay, I'm gonna argue that for a second. Last time I remember the U.S. title being relevant, when I took an interest in it, was when our truth had it. And he was doing the open challenges. Oh, true shit. You're right. You're right. And he was facing like Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Forgot about that. That was like some of the best stuff that they had for a minute. And he had Samoa there. Yeah, I forgot about... Dude, that that pairing. uh, It was Andrade, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and R-Truth. Them four... We're killing it. Is there somebody else? No, I don't think there was anybody else. I think it was just dumb. They were killing it every night, man. Like a lot of the times they were they carried the show. They were carrying the show and, and they they just unfortunately used it so much that they took all the juice out of it. But I forgot about that. You're definitely right. Like they were killing it, man. I, I completely I mean Shout don't out get... to you, man. I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Don't get me wrong, that was inspired by the John Cena Open Challenge. Of course, of course, but if, with our truth, he, he always adds like a spin to it. It's, it's just, it may, it's funny, but it, it works. And in, in, in this case, like, you were like, you were able to see, okay, like, he rarely gets the opportunity to show that he's still go in that ring. You know? like, he, he's good, man. Like, he's good. He doesn't mm. get that much opportunity to show it. And it's, as far as it was him yeah, being funny, like it was still solid, solid matches, man. And his open challenge, like I believe it was like he, he accidentally open challenged like all, all four of them at the same, like all three of them at the same time. Was, I don't know, man. It just like, spins to it, like it, it, it worked, it worked, and not not many have been able to to uh, you know, do the best that they can with the open challenge. You know, like like there's a few that tried, but. Uh, our side more true is that a lot of times success yeah and like how um like how with Bailey and Sasha Banks they channel their Eddie Guerrero it was good to see our truth channel his childhood hero in John Cena I forgot about. I forgot. About, I'm gonna go rewatch. That. I forgot all about that. That shit was hilarious. Even though Even Truth though. is older than John Cena. Truth hasn't aged since 1998. Man, what are you talking about? Hold on. Are we talking about Truth or K Quick? <laughs> it's dude. Like, go back and look at look at Truth in 1998. Look at him now. There is no difference, man. That dude is not aged ever. Mm. I mean, now now he is starting to look a little bit older, but man, dude got eternal youth, man. He truly does. He truly does. Uh, even, actually, another thing um, from Raw, 
because I know you said you didn't see, but one no, thing go that ahead, does put, enlighten me. Enlighten one thing me, that man. does stand out to me because the one thing from Twitter that came through from Hershey the night before was Randy Orton getting injured. Did you hear about Orton's now, injury? Is, is that storyline injury or is that real injury? Okay, so is the only thing the only thing that I've seen. I've been, I'm telling you, I've been off Twitter. The only thing I've seen was the Raw ending and um, the Lars Sullivan debut vignettes. I did not see any Lars um, vignettes. <laughs> no? The only thing I've seen of Lars Sullivan recently is him trending on Twitter for doing yeah. gay Yeah, porn. his... He had those... There weren't vignettes. <laughs> Well, yeah, so with the Randy Orton thing, it He's came out... ignore that. Okay, go, go to Randy Orton. <laughs> it's... We'll get there eventually. Um, I can't even think now. So yeah, with Randy Orton, it came out that he was injured, and yeah. they gave him some time to address his injury on Raw. And he's come out and said, it's going to be out for a long, long time. But the one promise he made everyone is someone is going to cop an R. You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. All right, and we are back. We're having a couple of technical tea technical difficulties i can't even pronounce the word but yeah as i was saying before he's kicked the crotch out from underneath randy orton and basically left him with one crotch while limping now knowing someone's injured is that too far well the thing is like to me like having seen wrestling for so long like if he's coming out like supposedly injured right whatever normally they would never touch the dude or, or whoever you know they wouldn't touch them you know so to me if i see that like oh, they, oh he's not really hurt her they would they wouldn't like play with a career ending injury like that you know what i mean yeah like um perfect example you we've seen page around whatever like she got the, the, the mist in her face or whatever, but um, they didn't really touch her. They didn't really knock her down or anything, you know. Been mm. like not even pushed around too much, you know. Um, when Daniel Bryan was, you know, the general manager, like they would push him or whatever, but he wouldn't take any hits or anything like that. Um, yeah. Even with like Edge, he get shoved around, whatever, but he wouldn't like take any hit or anything like that. He almost um, popped a curb stomp. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, but to me, just just I, I mean, if I see that, I'm like, oh, okay, they're not. It's not that bad. Then. However, now, because to me, to me, if it's a career serious injury like that, and you're you're risking it like that for a little spot, then that's just stupid. Yeah. So what was interesting about that is. AJ Styles got all cocky and whatnot and said, I look forward to seeing you at WrestleMania. So 
It's like they knew they couldn't continue the feud and they were setting up a match for WrestleMania, which I thought, oh, yeah, a rematch at Mania. Okay, I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. And then when I thought Auden was about to accept it, he didn't. He turned around, limped with one crotch up to Aud- up to um, AJ Styles and said, the difference between you and I is your patient. I'm not. And then in a split second, dropped him with an RKO, started stomping his injured um, leg up and down. Thought, oh my God, what a ruse. And then we went to a promo on TV with Rey Mysterio, but our insider who was at Raw that night, our good friend, and I want to shout out our queen of NE, said while that promo was going on, Randy Orton sprinted up the ramp. It drew a huge pop, probably the pop of the night. Oh, he was there, right? Mm-hmm. Our queenie was there. Shout out to Queen of NE. Our lucky dog. <laughs> Check her out. Being a big shot over there at Raw. Check her out, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think anyone saw that swerve coming because I mean, I sure as hell didn't. I actually legit thought Autumn was going to retire. I'm just like, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. Oh, uh, so he's he's he sold the the whole thing well then. Okay. Yeah, and a storyline from a house show. It went well. All but, right. That's at least cool, I think then, it was a story. Listen. You could say whatever you want about Randy Orton as a person, whatever, right? Um, but what do you, like, okay, to me, it's very obvious when he doesn't care what he what he's doing or he's just he's not into it, right? It's obvious to me. Um, this is no interest or whatever. But when you have a when he's into whatever he's doing and he's motivated into it, like, dude is good, man. Like, he's good. And from what you're telling me, like, he sold a retirement thing. Like, the la- the last person I remember ever doing that, you have to go back to, like, Mark Henry's fake retirement. Yeah, that was actually mentioned on Twitter. The, the, as it happened, I think five minutes later, I saw someone on Twitter put up a picture of Mark Henry and said, Randy Orton just did a salmon jacket. I'm just like, <laughs> wow, that even naming yeah. that move. Because Mark Henry killed that speech, man. Like, he sold that. So, man, that that was amazing. And even today, you go back and watch it, and it's like, if you don't know the outcome, you still believe he's retiring. Yeah, yeah man. Like, he, he really sold that, man. He really did. Um that's what I aspire to be, man. I aspire to just one day give a, a a retirement speech and have everybody, you know, into it and everything and just be like, psych, I lied. That sounds chaotically awesome. Not Not for anything athletic or anything like that. Just because, you know. Why the hell not? Just go into your casual workplace. Do a retirement speech. Like that, or even just to a place where I don't even work and give a retirement speech. Why not? Next minute. Next week on Twitter, 
Benji uploads a video retiring from Twitter itself. And then a week after that, he comes back saying, suck, motherfuckers. Listen, shout out to... Listen, I never understood. I never got it. People who make their announcements that they're coming off social media, they're going off like, this is it, guys. I'm going to delete my Twitter or I'm going to delete my Facebook. And you know, you know those motherfuckers always come back like two weeks later. Mm. It's like... Are you putting yourself in Twitter jail? <laughs> like, listen, man. Like, I was off Twitter. I didn't really give any explanation. Like, I mean, to the people I talk to, like, I'll, I'll talk to them or whatever. But other than that, like, I don't know, man. You can't put your whole like existence into media. Like, you got to live your life too at the same time. You know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like I got. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of followers and fans and all that. I, I get that. I, I understand that, you know. They're, they're buying my non-existent merch. I get that, you know. But sometimes I do. A, a guy just got to live, you know. Exactly. It's, so long as you're living the life you want to live and living it the way you want to live it, that's all that matters. Who cares what I, other people think? Exactly. Listen. There's two kinds of people. You can be getting your face thrown in some cake, or you could be the person throwing that person into some cake. You know, which one would you rather be is all I'm saying. Exactly. Now, one thing we mentioned on the first Twitter recording that hasn't been post, not Twitter recording, what do you call it? Skype recording that we haven't talked about yet in this one was one thing we do have in common we mentioned her before is the queen of NA. You were a part of season two. I was a part of season one, the queen's wrestling real world. Yeah, man. I, I was, listen, I was, I was part of a, of a reality show. I'm called the wrestling real world. I was on season two. Yeah, man, your boy biz was doing it big, you know, season two, like my, my reality TV debut, you know, produced, directed, uh, hosted by none other than Queen of NE. Shout out to her. You know, she put on a show. You know, and it was just, you know, a bunch of people never talked to, never don't know each other, thrown into a house, talking about wrestling, you know, talk about controversial topics, talk about, you know, all sorts of various variety of things, you know, people from different nationalities, um, different walks of life, just thrown in there, see what happens, you know. Because Queen is a sociopath like that. So, you know, <laughs> she 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 was very much like a jigsaw from Saw or like a um she was def she definitely played into to, into her name. She was definitely royalty. She definitely acted like the monarchy that she she professes to be, you know, and she 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 let down her reign, she she asked the questions, you know, things got controversial things got heated things got polarizing you know but at the end of the day it was all good it was all wrestling you know and it was fun you know it was, it was fun you know get, talking to different people you know talking shit whatever and then you know I, I don't know what episode it was but at a certain point uh, a certain little australian guy decides to jump in out the random you know and like it was unexpected it was just like it was just like throwing kerosene into a raging fire you know and it was just like Okay, what's going on here? Okay, like, 
you thought you had all the answers, and then you know Queen over there just changes all the questions, man. Because that's that's how Queen is. She's a very, she's very, she's a very sociopathic person, you know. And she'll just she'll do that to you, and kind of threw everybody off guard. And it was just like, what is going on? Like, this this is not the show I signed up for, you know. And it was just like, wow, this is this is crazy. It was, it was great. It was you know what, my reality TV experience in the real world of wrestling was very. It was very, you know, eye-opening, especially. It very, it very, it, to me, I, I kind of learned who I was, you know. And if anything, I went in as a boy and came out as a man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I could, I could unabashedly say, the queen of NA made me a man. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting it to go down that path. But, yeah, it was... The season two definitely had a different feel to it from season one. It's like you guys thought you had all the answers and I came in and, and I changed the culture. And the fact that I just randomly went on Twitter one day and I had that little notification thing up, I clicked on the mailbag and it was the queen saying, hey, would you like to come join season two and cause some controversy? I'm like, it would be my honor. I cannot wait. Uh, so she purposed. Oh, see, again, again. Queen of any just just likes to throw in a little chaos everywhere, man. I mean, from season one, there were actually a couple of people she could have chosen to do that role, so it was an honor that she chose me, because I think... I, I see, so, so everybody else must have cancelled. You must have been, like, the last person on the list. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but personally, I found season two to be a lot more tamer than season one. It was just like, listen, that... man. Um, what's what's his name? The the other dude from Australia, your boy, Josh. Josh, yes. Yeah, see, so originally, I don't remember whatever question was asked, but it was this was during a time, and I don't know what it's like right now, but during this time, the wrestling Twitter wrestling community is very. Uh, confrontational very negative very toxic at the time and it was just like if you had any sort of like a hint of a of an opposing an opinion or or just something slightly controversial like people would just jump on you and it was it was just like that for everything it was just like everybody wanted to fight everybody it was like, it was not a good place so with that context you go into this a bunch of strangers whatever right and then I forgot what the question was. And, and then you had, at the time, you had Josh was like, I don't know if I want to, like, I'm not trying to offend anybody or whatever, right? And I think it was that was the case with a lot of people there. It was like, we don't want to give too a controversial opinion because of whatever, whatever. But at the, at, towards the, towards we, it came to the thing where it's like, you know what? Why don't we change this? Like, you could say what you want. Like, no one's going to jump on you or whatever. The, the point is, like, to be able to say an opinion or whatever and to be able to talk about it, to be able to see, okay, your point of view, my point of view, why don't we see eye to eye, whatever. It was more, it wasn't so much more, like, chaotic or anything. It was much more trying to get to the uh, the roots of these things, like these these things that were happening at the time, these topics or issues that were going on. And I think um, what ended up happening was 
people had different availabilities and it was just it wasn't too many people on at the same time so it was became one of those things you know it was nothing you could do about that um because like listen shout out to heel pops and chair shots those motherfuckers like i'm always talking shit to them so it was was like you know and i had had already spoken to them prior to this show i knew them so it was just like you know we're just gonna talk shit or whatever you know and it was just it was it was more that kind of vibe. I think you're in season one of. It was much more uh, chaotic. It was much more chaotic. It was much more like not afraid to be controversial or to say off the wall shit or well, whatever. You know, it wasn't so much. I, it was go ahead. As you guys described it, it was we were the same way in a sense. We were very timid and shy of offending anyone but i think within an hour of this group chat starting up an hour to three hours whatever it was it was just like it became not the toxic wrestling twitter but we were all voicing our opinions and they were all we were talking about the most controversial topics but i think what happened was that you guys were all just a bunch of assholes and you just happened to be in the same room together (laughs) The only difference was um, between us and wrestling Twitter is we were all arguing our points and why we were right, but we were doing it in a way where we were using facts or we were using this. And if someone presented a fact on this that I didn't agree with, but I was open-minded enough for them to change my mind and vice versa. And we were, if even if we didn't agree, we someone would say, let's just agree to disagree. And everyone, everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It wasn't, oh, you like this person, you're a asshole for liking that person. How can you like that person? We were all respectful of the fact that we all had different opinions, but we See, were all really you, you guys, You guys went in with an uh, an open mind already. You, you went in with like, the intention of being able to hear an opposing view, an opinion or whatever. You went in with mm. the intention of ha- willing to be able to have that conversation and that communication. And unfortunately especially what we see in wrestling Twitter and everything, it's like people are going to say what they want to say and they don't want to hear what anybody else has to say about it, you know? And, yeah. and so it's like when, when you do that, when you, you talk and you don't already, in those, you, you know, you don't really care what the next person has to say, like that communication is broken already and you can't get anywhere like that. And it's always going to be toxic. And we've seen that recently in this, and unfortunately not to get too like, philosophical metaphorical spiritual lyrical yeah. and all that stuff you know but like um like that's just what it's been recently from from when i when i've been on like i i still believe at its core like wrestling twitter maybe i'm just being optimistic but i feel like it's it, there's much more good than bad but the bad just somehow always uh puts a bigger shadow on on what's on the good you know and and then you like, uh, I think it, I saw, what was it recently? Um, it was a GCW show. Uh, I think it was Blake Christian. I don't remember who, who he was facing, but they had a segment very similar to um, something that Osprey and Ricochet had a few years ago. That match where it was, you, you remember that match? Uh, it was very like. I've heard about it. I don't think I've it seen it. It was very like athletic based or whatever. Right? And it was just like. The the controversy was is this wrestling or not? And it was the exact same argument, the exact same points, 
as as the Ricochet Osprey match, and and you, it's just like you have unfortunately people like uh, uh, Jim Cornette and all that stuff, you know, spouting their negativity. Unfortunately, since because people are followers, they don't have their own opinions. They just jump on those bandwagons, and then you have the other people on the other side fighting these people, and it's just a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth thing, and it's just like. Yo, like, there's so much more to this shit than having just these pointless arguments on Twitter and everything. Like, listen, man, this shit is not that serious, yo. Like, it's not that serious. Like, you're, it's not life or death, you know? You're not writing a dissertation on this. Your, your livelihood is not based on this for, mo- for most people. So it's like, chill the fuck out, you know? Like... Let's have fun with this shit. Like at the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day, as much as we're all in this wrestling Twitter and everything, wrestling is not mainstream. You know, it's it's, it's still very not niche, but it's very it's, wrestling fans and wrestlers are viewed in a certain light by the majority. You know, um. So at the end of the day, like yo, it's it's wrestling. Like let's let's have fun with it, whatever. Because at the end of the day. We're all in. We're all in the same group together, you know. We're all viewed a certain way by certain people and in, in the majority, you know. So it's like we're in this together. Why are we having like this civil war against each other? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me, man. I'm not trying to say like, oh, let's all be like kumbaya and and, and you know, kiss and hug and all shit. No, no, talk shit or whatever. But like, I'm just saying, man. At the end of the day, like people just need to chill the fuck out. That's all I'm saying. So you brought up the Jim Cornette and GCW. There was a video that surfaced the other day of this. I don't even know how to describe it. And it was a topic of, was it good? Was it bad? Yeah, was that's it... the match I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it overscripted? And I mean, yes, Jim Cornette spreads a lot of controversial crap, but when it came to that particular match, based on that clip alone, I actually agree with Jim Cornette. Don't you dare. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. That particular match to me, not the whole match itself, because obviously I haven't seen it, but based on that clip alone, that was overscripted. The skill it took to pull off was definitely that. That's not an easy thing to do. The timing was on point. But it just didn't seem natural. So okay, so to you, what would have made what would have made it seem more natural? If they were pulling off those moves and still managing to reverse it and avoid it and counter it and all that stuff, where it it didn't seem so scripted. I mean, if you were to slow it down for maybe a second to catch their breath and then to speed it back up, but I don't. It just looks like they knew what they were going to do. I think okay, so would you okay, so for you like maybe um for example, uh they go there's a sequence where they um they kick, the one dodges and then the other one goes for a sweep, the other one avoids the sweep. For you, like the, the hits should have been like the kick was too far, the sweep was too like telegraphed. To you it should have been more like the hits were a little bit more closer, like oh he almost hit him, like you know what I mean? Like is that what you're trying to say? Uh, yes and no, like, you don't need to actually make contact to make it believable, but it's like, it 
just didn't look actually I don't even know if the word believable is the right word for it but there's a better example of um I watched a match from WCPW a couple of years ago and I believe it was Kushida versus Will Ospreay or if not that Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. And they did those sort of sequences but they weren't as scripted and it was so much more entertaining because of it see because to me like to me like you can go uh perfect uh so you can go rvd versus jerry lynn you can go super crazy versus tajiri uh osprey versus ricochet osprey versus sector jr um low-key uh amazing red uh this like it's, it's not a new sequence. Like, people have been doing this for years, like 20 plus years, you know? Um, yeah. I you totally even throw that back to Lucha Libre. Like, it, it goes back a lot. Um, for whatever reason, like, this one, I guess to a lot of people, it just it seemed to uh, telegraph, maybe to, like you said, too um, scripted. It didn't seem natural in the moment. Again, this was just. This was just like um, the first, I think, five minutes of the entire match. It wasn't even yeah. like the whole match, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, it's not that I'm saying that sort of thing is bad or anything. It's in this particular instance, mm-hmm, it didn't mm-hmm. work. Because, I mm-hmm. mean, we saw a match a couple of um, months ago with Kalisto and Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Or was it... Some, yeah, Kalisto... No, it wasn't even that. It was Rey Mysterio and Grand Metalik. And they mm-hmm. had a very not that particular instance, but where they were back and forth and flipping over the top of each other and ducking underneath and hurricanering and kicking up from it and kipping up and where almost they weren't making contact outside of the hurricanes and lifts, but none of their strikes were hitting, but it was believable. Mm-hmm. And there was emotion involved where with this one, uh, maybe that's what it was for me. It lacked emotion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe it was they seemed more focused on the move they had to do five steps from where they were than focusing on what was coming. I don't know. It lacked that key something. Like an intensity or something? Yeah. Poss- or it had the intensity from the speed at which it was going at. And I think the bit that made it for me was someone took that video and they put the they put Benny Hill music over it, over the top of it. See, but that to be fair, that you can put Benny Hill over anything and it's gonna look stupid. Like you could put that on on whatever your best match ever was and it's gonna look dumb. Like I the mean, Benny just... Hill music though. That made it entertaining. Yeah, but you could put that on any that's just a cheap knock, man. You could put that on any like uh, cruiserweight match or any any type of match, and it's just gonna look dumb. Like that's just cheap. Um, that's to me, that's just cheap. But like, because I think like bo- both those guys are awesome. They're amazing, man. And, and mm-hmm. I think for, like you're the way you're explaining it, it, may, it makes sense, and I, I get where you're coming from. But I, I think that. Um, a lot of people take that and just just turn it into this like okay though 
very like oh this is not wrestling and this is like this is this is what's killing the business and and these people are trash it's a mud show blah 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 um see, I can't get behind that but yeah well I'm from what, you from what you're saying like I I get your point of view I get where you're coming from I think Randy Orton said something similar a couple of months ago like. When you do the same move so many times, it takes away from the effect of it. And it's like, he was saying a super kick used to be a finishing move when it was with Shawn Michaels. But now the Young Bucks do it so much, it's just like... Yeah, but to be fair, like, with that logic, I mean, how many damn times have we seen him do the the uh, DDT from the, from the second rope or the RKO? How many times have we seen that, like... I mean, come on now. But I get, I understand, I get the, the idea. I get the the idea that everybody does super kicks. I think now the thing is uh, everybody's doing Canadian destroyers. Yeah, um, I, I, I I get it. I understand it. I get it. The only thing that makes a Canadian destroyer special anymore is when they do it from the top rope. Yeah, like I, I know. I I get that. I, I understand that. Like. I, I, I tell you, I, I get, I get where they're coming from with that. Like, it's it's a little bit too common these days. Like, it's the it's the the pop move now. Like, um, a few years before that, everybody was doing a Spanish fly. Like, it's 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 just one of those things, you know. Yeah. And look, that's that's the same with um. You could see it in movies or music or anything. Once once that becomes popular you just see a bunch of people do it especially like in music like if you have a certain sound like you're gonna get a bunch of people trying to do the same sound like that's just that's just entertainment in itself man like people are gonna do that like if if a certain type of joke is popular like this is a terrible example but i don't know if you remember i think it was 2015 or whatever like dead baby jokes were like the thing like that was everywhere um, now it's, I don't know what the hell the joke is now, but it's just like, whatever's popular, people are going to all try to do that. And today just happens to be the Canadian destroyer. Yesterday it was a super kick. Like it's going to be the, something else in the next, the next few months, you know? Yeah. Next minute it's going to be a, um, tombstone pole driver. I think, okay. So it was, it was the damn... Today's Canadian destroyers. Yesterday was super kicks. Before everybody was doing like a package pile driver or some some variation of a pile driver. Like things things are just cyclical, man. It's just going to be something else next year, and maybe this year it'll be a new move, like you said. Everybody's going to be doing a, a mm. three sixty off the top rope pile driver, or whatever. You know, it's just, everyone. It's just going to be. <laughs> Can you imagine that turning a Spanish fly pile driver from the top rope? You know, you say that, you say that like it can happen, but the way with as how athletic and and amazing as the up and coming wrestlers are, mm. man, like I would not be surprised if somebody hits something wild like that in the next few years. Because because even now, like. Just, just wrestlers in general, from however you want to tier them, like from from top to bottom, from the just coming up and everything, they're just much more athletic and they're capable of so much more, you know. And and I understand you don't want to just put on the moves. You need to have some 
substance, some storytelling to it. I get that. There has to be a balance between it all. But I'm just saying, with just, just from a pure athletic standpoint, from what people can do now, like I would not be surprised if someone's seen some wild shit like that in the next few years. Yeah, and it's another move that comes to mind that used to be special, not so much because no one was using it, because it used to be a real finishing move. But now you see a lot of people do it, and it just doesn't seem to finish a match off anymore. It's the sharpshooter. I mean, do you really see a lot of people do that? Like, it's not the most popular finishing move, but when was the well, last time you saw someone make even, someone okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do you one. I'll do you one better. Not even just a sharpshooter. Just submissions in general. Like, Mm, the figure four. Any any submission, it's, you don't see people tapping a lot, man. Like people don't do submission finishers these days, man. It's not a popular thing. Mm. Um, unless it's that. Um... Even okay, perfect example. You had a uh, Zack Saber Jr. You know he was, you you know him. He's an amazing technical wrestler and. I don't know what city he was wrestling at. Point is, um, I, I want to say it was somewhere in the United States. I don't know where. But point is, um, a lot of people find his matches boring because um, mm. they're very technical or they end the submission or whatever. And unfortunately, that, that that's a growing mentality as far as like, disliking the technical aspect of it, disliking submission finishes and everything. Because these a lot of days, um, people don't want to tap or they'll just pass out or whatever, but people just don't want to tap. It's one of the main reasons you have a guy like Chris Jericho have to change from the walls of Jericho to something else because nobody wants to tap. Um, yeah. And this, it's just what it is, man. Like Honestly, like, Tapping out is almost worse than getting pinned because you tap out, you're gonna get those chants like for the next few whatever for the time being. Like, oh, you tapped out, you tapped out, whatever. Yeah, well, it's like even tap- even like even in um, uh, MMA, like a UFC or whatever. When someone gets tapped, like it's almost it's almost a more humiliating defeat than just getting knocked out or whatever. Yeah, and it's like with um, Kenny Omega put. John Moxley in the sharpshooter. So instead of tapping, he walks, he crawls to the bottom rope through broken glass. <laughs> I love that match. Listen, man, like. So like, good. Yeah, man. Like, if you're going to do. Because it would have been so easy to have him put the sharpshooter on him and then he passes out and everybody wants to redo that Stone Cold Bear Heart thing. Um. But to remix it, to change it just enough to make him crawl through broken glass, like it's it's those things that can elevate um, these these moves that are seen so often or like recycled or whatever. You want to add your own little twist to it, dude, and that, that's that's just with like again with anything. Like if you're gonna do something that people have already done, add your version to it, add your twist. Like if even, okay, if you're doing a wrestling podcast or whatever, it could be anything, man. Like. Lots of people do it, but what twist, what what t- new take, what new angle are you going to hit it from? You know, what 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 new thing to it are you going to add to it? And, and if you do that, and if you add something different to it, that shit makes you pop 
I don't care what you say. Like you'll pop. Like you'll you'll get that attention. You'll you'll be you'll. It's it's much more creative to do it that way. You know. Yeah. No, I definitely know what you mean, and like I've had um, when we did our recording last time, we did the random react and. But it was based off um, CM Punk because obviously you're from Chicago. CM Punk's from Chicago. And I thought, okay, let's random react to something from CM Punk, which we did his return to. Actually, was it you I did the CM Punk return with? You know what? You might be confu- you might be confusing me with somebody else. I think you're trying to say we all look alike. I think that's what you're trying to say. I'm trying to think. Wait, hold up. Brain's processing. I did have another recording with Chicago a couple of weeks ago. See, just for anybody listening, when you when you are going to be a guest on the podcast, make sure your host knows who he, you know he invited on or who he's talked to. You know, you don't want to have to go through this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as you were saying, make it unique, and that's what I do with random react. Did we actually do a random react in the first recording? Um, you know, it, it's been lost through time, man. It's it's hard to say. You know, that's just been it's just been in the archives from now on. You know. Yeah, because I did um, the last person I talked to from Chicago, shout out to the Comedy Boys, the Getcho podcast. So, you, what are you trying to say? Like, all people from Chicago look and sound the same? Is that what you're trying to say? Let's just say. There's a certain accent. Man, get your... <laughs> get your... Man. Although, I, you have a um, unique accent in yourself. It's like when I talk to the people from the US, I can... Not US, um, the UK. There's the northern accent, and then there's... Well, the... Listen, to be fair, to be fair, uh, not. I have a very weird sound in that... I grew up in the south of the United States, uh, moved up here to the Midwest, but I speak multiple languages, so it's it's very uh, hodgepodge of things, which is why I sound very very much like an Aiden English type thing. It's very weird. That's a very weird voice. I don't know what it is, but that's yeah. why I sound the way I sound, you know what I mean? I was going to ask if you have an accent. You know, the weird thing is, for many years, I didn't think I had one um, until people like you. Move, you don't think you have an accent until you move to a different area, and then people start telling you you have an accent. Yeah, well, no, I definitely know what you mean because I mean, me and my family went to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and we were in the lobby of the hotel in the restaurant having a nice meal for dinner, and the waiter looks at my mom and my brother and goes, "By your accent, I can tell you're Australian." Then he looks at my dad and says, by your accent, I can tell you're from England, which is funny because whenever my dad goes home to England, they say, oh, you've got an Australian accent. (laughs) But then the waiter turns around to me and says, judging by your accent, I have no idea where the hell you're from. And I'm just like, wow. So he can pick my dad's English accent, which... (laughs) To me, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, My brother and my mother apparently have an Australian accent, and I have an accent that no one knows. Well, it's like 
it's just like okay, clearly it's an Australian accent, but every so often, I don't know if it's, it's I guess it's certain words. There's like a certain like Englishness to it, but not really. Mm. But there's like a little like hint of it, but not necessarily all there. I, I don't know. It's it's a very weird yeah. accent. Honestly, I thought you were from like some posh like UK city, like from Cambridge <laughs> or something like that. I love it. Well, <laughs> I have um, I'm half English because obviously my dad's born in England. See I'm, see, I'm telling you, you there's a there's like a little hint to it. I think with certain pronunciation of certain words mm. but the interesting thing is i've never been to europe yeah but but it's your your parent your father that you grew up listening to that so that you're gonna absorb that mm. and finally not necessarily enough, because you've gone over there if you would have gone over there you you know more consistently you would have picked up a different accent yeah the funny part is all my um dad's friends in england when he goes home and visits them every couple of years, they all think he has an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really, it really is like that. Man. It really is like that. Um, like, okay, for, for example, to even the same thing. Like, if I speak uh, Portuguese or I speak Spanish or whatever here, you know. Um, they they the way I speak it is like oh you they would think that I come from over there but then when I talk to someone that's native from over there like uh Mexico or Brazil or whatever they'll think like oh no you have a, an Americanized accent of it but the people here think I sound like them like it's it's very weird man it's a very weird thing mm. yeah it's, it's, it's it's the same thing like with your dad like. In, in Australia, they think he sounds like he's from over there, but he goes over there, they, he, they think he sounds like he's from over there. Well, it's... that's the thing. No one questions his accent in Australia either. Because, I mean, oh. maybe it's because he's been living in Australia for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. But even my grandparents have been here for over 30 years, and I wouldn't say they have an Australian accent, but I definitely wouldn't say they have a UK accent. But they, oh, they definitely have an accent, but I just can't pinpoint it. It definitely doesn't sound British, though. No, no, I think I think you're really you're you're British in disguise. I think that's what it is, man. You're just you're just you're in the closet British person. That's what I think. Because mm. I think someone said it to me a while ago as well that Josh and I have different accents. Um, it's like I listen to Josh and he's definitely got more of a um true true blue Australian accent, which is probably why Josh can also um, pull off the screaming Hey Kayla to the sound of the Iconics a lot better than what I can. Like, I try and do an, my best Iconic and go, Hey Kayla! And I'm just like, yeah, no, Josh does it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you guys are from different areas, right? I think is what it yeah. is. Well, mm-hmm. he's from South Australia in or Adelaide, South Australia, where I'm in Moranbah, Queensland. But, right, so so you're more like in the backwoods. Yeah, well, I'm up the northern end of the east coast, where he's down the bottom of bottom or southern coast, right in the peninsula. But unlike the Americans, Australians don't have different accents based on their states. Like we don't have a difference between a New Yorker and a Texan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You've got a Victorian and a New South Welshman. 
And I think maybe it's just me because on my podcast a couple of um, weeks ago, I talked to the MCW champion, Adam Brooks, and even he's got more of an Australian accent than I do. I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just the half cast. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, shout out to you. That was an amazing interview, man. That was really good. Oh, thanks. Which it's... I encourage everybody to listen to, to go back and to listen to it, man. That was a that was a good interview. People, y'all should check it out for sure. Yeah, it's one thing I've never done was interview someone outside of the podcasting world. I've never gone into interviewing wrestlers before, so that was a first for me. And it was like, oh, I remember. It. It's great, man. You should definitely do more. I remember before I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and I remember being so nervous, and I'm. And he was so nice and so down to earth. And the fact that we didn't just stick to wrestling and we just chatted about life in general and our favorite things to do. And I don't know if you guys get Australian beers over in America like they do in the UK. But one thing we were talking about is our favorite beers. And he comes from Victoria. And one of their state beers is known as um, Victorian Bitter. Mm -hmm. And... That beer, Australia wide, has a reputation for being trash. And he comes on and he, we're talking about beer, and he's like, The one beer I can't stand is VB. And he's like, We call VB vomit beer. And I just about die laughing. I'm just like, Oh, that is gold. That is. And we just start chatting, and then um, we start talking about AFL because down there that's their state sport afl and i know josh is an afl fan so i asked that question for him and then one of the controversial topics queen um our queenie and i have had is whether pineapple goes on a pizza so i said to him does pineapple go on a pizza and i'm sitting here thinking please say no and he just comes out uh -huh. and goes oh and god goes, uh -huh. hell no <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, thank God, thank God. But going back to our Queen of NE, we've been hyping it up over Twitter the last since our last recording. Um, we both came up with this idea for Queen's Court because we both love our Queen. We, she's an amazing talent, an amazing podcaster, so natural, and one of the best going at the moment. And we came up with the perfect guest for her. And for all my listeners, all of Benji's followers on Twitter, Benji and I have been coming up with this idea to get this guest on the Queen of NE. And Queen, I know you're listening to this. For the love of God, I hope you get this interview. It would be amazing. Um, Benji and I have come up with the idea, Queen, that you should do a royal interview, the King and Queen. Now... The king of WWE at the moment is Baron Corbin. And <laughs> that would be an amazing interview. So we want you guys to hashtag King on Queen's Court, tag the Queen of NE, tag Baron Corbin. Let's get this thing viral. This would be an amazing New Year's present to the Queen of NE. Anything you want to add, Benji? Because I can hear you laughing in the background. Listen, you know, hey, listen. Queen, 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 queen of any queen, queen, queen. You know, it's all love. But listen, girl, listen. I don't know what you're playing for, man. Get 
the king on Queen's Court, man. Like, we already know you're a hardcore Baron Corbin fan. Like, I know it. He knows it. The world knows it. And it's time for them. It's time for you to show it. It's time for you to get that ball, beautiful man, on that on that royal court of yours and, and really go at it. Because I feel like you guys, your personalities, the way you guys carry yourselves are so similar. Like, you guys are all... Are, Royalty from the same cloth, like your crowns are are melded, are welded from the same iron, from the same gold, from the same blacksmith. You guys are are, are kin of, of the same anvil, you know, that just hammered down together. You know, you guys are are so similar. And what better way to start off 2020 than having Queen of Any and Baron Corbin? trending on twitter because they're so good together and listen you guys are so good together you guys are like peanut butter and jelly you know you guys are like pancakes and syrup man that you guys are like like chocolate cake and some milk you know you guys are like butter on pecan you know like you guys are so smooth and and to see you guys together that would just warm my heart like queen you know we we rock with each other, you know. You know we homies, you know, and everything. But listen, girl, listen, listen. You would it would definitely because uh, I know and I know I know you told me in confidence and 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 everything how much of a Baron Corbin fan you have been for so long. Um, you've been such a Baron Corbin fan that you were such a stand for him. Even like you go so back, he still had hair. That's how far back you guys go, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember one day. <laughs> Queen was saying in confidence in the wrestling real world how she was a lone wolf at. There you go. You're a lone. Listen, he's you're the alpha. He's your beta. You know, like that's you guys are. You guys are one with the same pack. You know, and that, Queen, that's, that's... I've even got the perfect question for you to ask him. Ask him what his favorite brand of dog food is. hashtag king on queen's court let's get that trending let's get that viral the queen deserves to have baron corbin as a guest the queen is a wonderful person an amazing podcaster one of the best going if you haven't heard of her go check her out go listen to her podcast queen's court and help us get that trending because she is so good she deserves that. Nobody deserves to have Baron Corbin as a guest on their podcast more than the Queen of NE. So hashtag <laughs> King on Queen's Court. Let's get this trending. Let's make this happen. We need your help. Anyway, so we'll wrap this amazing episode up here. It has been loads of fun. I'm glad we got to redo this and we'll try not to take 40 minutes to wrap this up. No, yeah, no, no. Said no last that. episode went for over three hours. Our wrap up last time took forty five minutes. So, to be fair, I was just I was gonna keep going on as long as possible just to see how long <laughs> how polite you are and you just wouldn't cut it off. And I was like, I'm just gonna push this guy's button because much like the queen of any, I am also a sociopath, you know, so this is this is how we roll. It works out very well because the amount of times I've been called narcissistic. It's just you. I suppose that's nar- narcissistic. We, I suppose that's why we play so well off each other. I mean, listen, I'm I'm just facts. You're you're you know, you're like to be 
you know, people call you narcissistic. I, I mean, I guess you're only half halfway sometimes full of yourself, you know? Mm. I mean, there's no one, as much as I am like to say how great I am, there is no one greater in the wrestling industry at the moment than the Iconics. True, and, you know, maybe... Maybe the, the the queen and the queen and king connection. Hopefully, that sparks some some. Oh, like, I like, like that. Hashtag you know? the queen and king connection. Right there, you know, it's brilliant marketing, man. And hopefully, that inspires groups like the Iconics to to galvanate and to come back on TV because they're very much missed. They're so entertaining, man. And and you know, we need them. We need them back on TV. You know. And hopefully the king and queen hashtag king connection. Hopefully that sparks. You know what? That could be the the change wrestling Twitter needs. That that can unite the entire community together. It, it all rests on the, on the shoulders, the, the 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 genius shoulders, and, and the much you know intelligent and and, and benign. With a wise head of the crown that belongs to the Queen of Any, you know? Yeah. But no, as I was saying before, I want to thank you for coming back on. It's been so good that we can re record this. And it's definitely something we will be recording again in the future because I will, without a doubt, have you back on at some point. I oh, of course, man. Love talking to you. Of course, any opportunity. Of course, man. Any opportunity to hear myself is is always welcome. Uh, next time we record that, I will make sure I drink plenty of water. I'll make sure I have something to control my laughing, so I don't. You, you listen. Twenty twenty. Keep hydrated. That's 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 the motto right there. Drink your water. You know, be healthy, and you know maybe. Less you know, they, yeah, like like an owl, man. Twenty twenty, you need to be like an owl. That's that that's the motto right there. Mm. What does that mean? Well, you know, that's not for me to decide. That's on you. And <laughs> I gotta learn to control my laughing so I can learn to breathe. Because yeah. I make laugh so much, I forget to breathe, and I find myself short of air every time I talk to you. It's great. You know, you know. You know. You know, I mean, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate that, homie, and it's been fun. It's been great. You know, I'm gonna have to bounce, but listen, it was fun. Definitely do this next time, people. Yes. You know, definitely king, hashtag King and Queen connection. Make it happen. <laughs> so, king and Queen sport. Yes. All do that you want to tell? Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Yeah, and y'all listen. I'll be back on it shortly, but y'all could always hit me up on Twitter, Calavera Comedy, uh, Instagram, you know, Craigslist, the Backwoods, um, <laughs> wherever, you know, Backpage, if that's still around, anywhere, you know. Tinder. Um, Tinder, Grinder, OkCupid, Poff, you know, plenty of fish, hey, Christian Mingle, you know, um, where the local grocery store under the bridge wherever you find your 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 local entertainment your hot shit that's where you can always hit me up and you know i'm like i'm not doing my thing you know what i'm saying you can always hit me up on that i don't know why i'm doing this voice but that's what's going so benji calavera comedy y'all know where to hit me up this has been great this has been fun my name for mayhem this is this is 
y'all should definitely check this out. Check out his interviews. It's been it's been dope. It's been grand, and that's the damn thing, man. Ah, uh, thanks for those kind words. But yeah, go check him out. Go follow him everywhere. You can find your pure entertainment, as he said. Calavetta comedy. I'm finally learning how to pronounce it properly. Thank God. I couldn't pronounce it last time. That's um, all right, man. That's all right. Yeah, so come find me on or at Aussie Lucian. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Skype, Facebook. Not that Facebook has much on there. Um, YouTube slowly growing. Um, Instagram's only recently just started, but it's slowly build, building a fan base. I plan on putting a lot of independent wrestling stuff on there. I'm. You'll see some stuff from CQWA, CQ. Um, what's the other one? QWA. Then there's um, MCW. I'm going to try and put a lot of posters or promos for my episodes on there. Stay tuned because we've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got game two um, coming up soon for the Wrestling Ashes, England versus Australia. Currently, us Aussies are down 1-0 against Mags's English team, so hopefully we can tie the series one all it's best of five and this wrestling quiz is going to happen and be lit and mags i know you listen to me boy are you going down it doesn't matter who you put together on a team i am taking you out my aussie team will win this i haven't got a team yet i've got one member so far but i'm keeping that a surprise all I can say is I hope you're ready for a good walloping. And um, yeah, Benji, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day because I know you're starting to get to late afternoon. It's almost five o'clock there now. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I had alarm set for five, quarter past five, five thirty and five forty five AM just to start a six AM recording. We have been talking for I not so much on Skype, but over Twitter as well, trying to set this up because we've both had technical t- technical difficulties. It's now nine thirty a.m. Yeah, that's but, that's just dedication right there. But you know, oh, again, yeah. thanks, man. This is fun. This is good. Yeah. Ne- definitely next time, man, for sure. Peace. Oh, yeah. So, guys, stay tuned. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening to the first episode of 2020. I hope to bring you plenty more. Enjoy your 2020 and look after yourselves. And we will see you all next time. Have fun, guys. Bye.